Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew, glory to you, Lord Christ. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately as he came out of the water, behold, the heavens were open to him, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and rested upon him. And behold, a voice came, you are my son, whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired Matthew to record these words. And we believe that they not only had power in Matthew's day, but they have power this day if we will have ears to hear and hearts to receive. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit and open this word to us, perhaps as never before, that we would be changed more and more to be like Christ. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Why was Jesus baptized? I mean, why was he baptized? Verse 13 of our text in Matthew chapter 3 says that then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. But why was Jesus, Jesus baptized? Baptism creates great debates between Christians. It's a great source of controversy and disagreement. And I'm in no way suggesting that, you know, we can solve it easily. But I will say that in my mind, in no way trying to demote how serious these disagreements can be, I think that the baptismal debates are ultimately solved at Dairy Queen. Really. I mean, I think the baptismal debates are kind of summed up in our experience at Dairy Queen. Because at Dairy Queen, we know, sprinkled or dipped, it's all ice cream. Think about it. I think there's a book in the making there. Why was Jesus baptized? Jesus, why was he baptized? Well, John's response is not surprising. Verse 14, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? See, what John is really saying is, Jesus, I'm offering a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. People come here who are sinners and they get cleansed from their sins. So Jesus, why are you coming? Because John recognizes that Jesus is the one who he's been waiting for. Back in verse 11, where John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You see, Jesus, John recognizes, is not coming to be baptized because he's got some sin that Jesus needs to deal with. As Hebrews chapter 4 says of Jesus, that we have in him a high priest who is not unaware of our challenges, 
who though he was tempted like us in every way, yet was without sin. Jesus is the only human being who's ever lived in this world and did not need a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He was sinless. As uh, Maximus of Turin, a fourth century church father, I wish we still had names today like Maximus of Turin, he says this of Jesus' baptism. He says, what sort of baptism is this when the one who is dipped is purer than the font and where the water that soaks the one whom it was received is not dirtied but honored with blessing? What sort of baptism is this of the Savior? I ask, in which the streams are made pure more than they purify. For by a new kind of consecration, the water does not so much wash Christ as submit to being washed. When someone wishes to be baptized in the name of the Lord, it is not so much the water of this world that now covers him, but the water of Christ that purifies him. Yet the Savior willed to be baptized for this reason, not that he might cleanse himself, but that he might cleanse the waters for our sake. Jesus did not go to the Jordan River to deal with his sin. He came to the Jordan for another reason, to deal with our sin. So it's not about being cleansed from sin. Why was Jesus baptized? It's also not about Jesus understanding his identity. Some people have said, oh, the baptism moment, Jesus, 30 years old, he finally hears that voice from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. It's an identity moment. It's not an identity moment. Jesus already knows who he is before the voice speaks. Look at verse 15. Verse 15, after John has said, you know, I need to be baptized by you, what is Jesus' response? These short two words, let it be so now. It's two words in the Greek. And it really just means do this. I get it, do this. You're absolutely right, John. You need to be baptized by me. You're absolutely right, John. I don't need some repentance baptism, but do this. It's a command. You see, Jesus in these two small words is acknowledging, John, you're absolutely right. I do not need this baptism. I know exactly who I am. I know that I am the one that you've been waiting for. And we see this as we look at the life of Jesus. I mean, remember that lovely story that we celebrate when we come to New Year's of when Jesus got lost in Jerusalem? I mean, it's the parents' worst nightmare ever, isn't it? Can you imagine you losing your child in Jerusalem? And when they find, when Mary and Joseph find Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, verse 46, we read these. After three days, three days, ooh, three days, they found him in the temple. And he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at Jesus' understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished, no doubt, and his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus as a child knew who he was. 
He did not come to the Jordan to be cleansed from his sins. He did not come to the Jordan to find out who he was. Why then was Jesus baptized? Well, he wasn't baptized for his sake at all. Jesus was baptized for your sake and my sake. Jesus was baptized in order to show us what our baptism truly means. And we see this again as we continue in verse 15 of our text. Verse 15, Jesus says to John, after he says, just go ahead and do this, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. I mean, what does that mean? It's appropriate, John, that we do this to fulfill all righteousness. What is he talking about? And there's multiple ways you can read that. But here's what I think is at the core of what it means to fulfill all righteousness, to do all things in the right way. See, Jesus is beginning his adult ministry here in Matthew's gospel. This is the first moment of his adult ministry. And this is the first act. And he says, John, as we begin this, in order to fulfill all righteousness, in order to get things started the right way, we need to do this. Why? Well, Jesus is going to go down into the Jordan. And as he goes to the Jordan River, he's not alone. We see in other gospel accounts as well that Jesus is emerging on the scene in the midst of John's ministry of baptism, which means this. There are people already in the river getting baptized when Jesus goes down into the river. Jesus goes into the Jordan amongst all these other people who are coming for baptism. Jesus stands in the midst of these people. And when he says it's to fulfill all righteousness, I mean, look at his life, his earthly ministry. He wants to get things in the right order. How does he end his earthly ministry? He is hanging on a cross between two thieves. And as he begins his earthly ministry, he is standing in the river amongst a bunch of dirty sinners. Jesus' whole ministry is a picture of God come among us, Jesus Emmanuel, standing in the midst of a broken people. I am here with you. I am for you. I am in the midst of you. Behold, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is fulfilling all righteousness in going into that Jordan River with all those sinners to say, this is my ministry, to come among you, to stand in solidarity with you, because I've come to save you. Standing in solidarity is really an amazing picture. <laughs> Last night, we took Bishop Charlie uh, to a Dallas Stars game, and he was such a good sport. He actually donned a spare Stars jersey that we had. He wore a Dallas Stars jersey. This man is from Toronto. <laughs> He's a Maple Leaf fan, and he wore the glorious victory green last night. And we won. I mean, it was, he cheered loud and proud. We won. And then, you know, I realized, in fact, a parishioner texted me later when he found out we had a bishop there. He said, this is great because we won the game. We've got a new goaltender named Ben Bishop in net. And we had a bishop in the stands. This is what the Dallas Stars need to win a hockey game. A bishop in the stands and a bishop in the net. So you're not allowed to leave because we're playing Arizona on Tuesday. He was standing in solidarity with Dallas. 
But Jesus standing in solidarity with his people is precisely what he's doing in his baptism. Galatians chapter 3 gives us an incredible picture of what is happening in our baptism. Galatians 3 verse 27, Paul writes this, he says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That we have been made one with Christ in our baptism. That's why he comes down to the river. That's why he gets in with the sinners to say, I have come to make you whole. And here's the amazing thing is as Jesus is baptized, he then ends up giving us this incredible gift. And the gift is this. He shows us in, in big voice kind of a fireworks display of all these things that happen. The heavens are open, the spirit descends like a dove, and a voice speaks. All of that which happens in Jesus' baptism. He does this so that you and I would know what really was happening in that font just a few minutes ago. I mean, we didn't see heaven opened. We didn't see a spirit the Spirit of God descend like a dove. We didn't hear God the Father's voice speak from heaven, you are my child whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. But that is exactly what happens every time someone now comes to the waters of baptism. That's why Jesus was baptized. As he stands with us, he's showing us a picture of what is truly going on in our own baptism. We say that baptism is a sacrament. The definition of a sacrament is an outward and physical sign of an inward and spiritual grace. In other words, a sacrament is something we can see and hear and touch that points to what is going on inside. All that happened in that Jordan River in Jesus' baptism just took place in front of us at that font with these candidates, newly baptized all that took place in Jesus' baptism at the Jordan is what took place when you or I went through those waters of baptism. The sacraments. We saw water. We heard and felt it. We heard the words of the minister. We felt the oil on our foreheads. But what was truly going on inside each of us as we were baptized was all that happens with Jesus. Quickly, what happens? Three things. Heaven is opened. Heaven's opened, verse 16 says. Heaven is opened. Now, heaven opened doesn't mean the clouds were parting in the sky. Verse 16 says the heavens were opened to him, which means Jesus in that moment could see heaven, the realm of God. That the division between God and man in that moment in the Jordan was suddenly momentarily lifted. There was no longer a veil. There was no longer a dividing wall of hostility. He could see heaven open to him, heaven available to him. See, it's amazing that Jesus' baptism is really pointing to his greater baptism. This is ultimately how he is going to redeem us. See, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, he says, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it's accomplished. And he's on his way to Jerusalem when he says this. The baptism he's talking about is the baptism of his death. And Paul opens up these words for us, explains what Jesus means by that in Romans chapter 6, in verse 3, when he says this, 
He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. See, the baptism that shows heaven opened is ultimately because His baptism, his ultimate greater baptism, is that he is overcoming sin and death. That suddenly we have access to God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Jesus' whole ministry has been about enabling us, you and me, broken enemies of God. As we said at the beginning of our baptismal liturgy, all of us were dead in our trespasses. We were dead. We were separated from God. As Tim Keller has famously said, Jesus did not come into the world to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And that's what he does in his ultimate greater baptism. He makes us alive because of his death and resurrection. As we gather around this table every Sunday, we are celebrating what he has done to open heaven to us. The dividing wall is gone. Heaven is open. But the second thing is not just that heaven opens, but the spirit descends, verse 16, in bodily form like a dove and rests on him. The Holy Spirit that we see again and again through the Hebrew Bible as empowering priests and prophets and kings to do their work of ministry, the indwelling, empowering presence of God himself comes on Jesus in his baptism. And yet it means, therefore, for us, that it comes on us in our baptism as we take the oil of chrismation and say to these children and these adults that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit in your baptism. That means that the spirit that empowered the prophets and kings and priests to do their work, the spirit of God that empowered Jesus to do his healing ministry and work on earth now dwells in the heart of each of us. You know, I find it amazing within our Anglican tradition, we have our font in many Catholic traditions at the back of the church. It's it's there as the reminder that as we come into the church, this is the means by which we're welcomed. And many of us, because we have living water in there always flowing, will, as we walk into the church, cross ourselves with that water as a reminder of our own baptism. That's baptismal water we are again claiming on ourselves. I mean, in that, to believe that the Holy Spirit has been poured out in our lives at our baptism. I mean, what greater comfort is there for whatever you and I are facing in our call to follow Jesus? I mean, when we arrived here 18 months ago to begin working here at Christ Church, it was obviously a daunting task, and it is every day. And as I've said many times, my, my sense every time I walk into this building is, you know, this incredible sense of, oh, Lord, you had better show up or I'm done for. And so it is in so many of our lives, isn't it? The tasks which God has put in front of us. And yet I'll tell you one of the most comforting things, that first Sunday I was here, oh, Lord, how am I going to preach at Christ Church, was to go to that back and stand there getting ready for procession 
and dip my fingers in that baptismal water, cross myself with that baptismal water. And even as I was walking down the aisle, and I do this every Sunday, I feel that water still on my head as I come into worship. And it's that reminder, oh Lord, in my baptism, you gave me the Holy Spirit for the tasks that are before me. And so Lord, I'm gonna trust you for that Holy Spirit power today. And so it is for us in our baptism, the spirit descends. But finally, not only is heaven opened and the spirit descends on Jesus, but that voice comes. Verse 17, a voice came saying, this is my son, my beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. I mean, to hear those words, those words of identity in the midst of our darkest moments, to know that we are named Children loved, well-pleasing to God because of all that Jesus has done. You know, Martin Luther, the great reformer, as we celebrate this 500th anniversary of the Reformation, Martin Luther often would slip into great moments of despair. The devil would be tempting him. And, and the way the devil would come at him would be to, to again and again be saying, you know, do you, do, do you really believe that this is the will of God for your life? Do you really believe you've truly been saved? You've truly been redeemed? And in those deep moments of despair where he doubted everything to the core of his being, as he sat in his study, he always believed the devil tempted him from a particular corner of his study. And Luther, in those moments of great angst, would yell at the devil in that corner these words, I have been baptized. I know who I am. You see, why was Jesus baptized? Not for his sake, not to cleanse himself of sin. He was sinless. Not to tell him his identity. He knew who he was. But Jesus was baptized for our sake. That we would understand what grace is given to us. What gift is given to us in our own baptism. As we go through the waters of baptism as we look back on the waters of baptism, as we touch the waters of baptism to our heads, we remember that heaven is opened to us. Access. That the Spirit of God has come upon us. And that a voice has spoken those words which can never be taken away. You are my child, my beloved, with you. I'm well pleased. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.